Hello and welcome to Lore Watch, a roundtable freeform discussion about lore in the games of Blizzard Entertainment. I'm Ann Stickney, one of two lore-focused writers for Blizzard Watch, and I've got both my wonderful co-hosts with me today. First up, he's the other lore columnist over on Blizzard Watch. That would be Matt Rossi. Hey, Rossi. Hello. I'm talking over my words today. I don't know. It's been a long day. It's not even evening. It's been a long day. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm um, okay. I uh, spent the weekend. My wife had to go out of town, so it was me and my dog. And my dog did not know what to do. She was, like, stuck to me all weekend because she was afraid <laughs> I'd leave, too. Oh. And then she'd be alone. So, like, like, last night, she, like, slept literally welded to my leg. Like, I couldn't move an inch. If I moved even an inch, she'd just shift over. Like, mm. Nope, nope, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Constant contact, poor puppy. Anyway, uh, other co-host with us, he's not a lore columnist, but he is a lore aficionado, and he also knows Shaman really well. That would be Joe Perez. Hey, Joe. Well, hello, everybody. How are you doing? Uh, it's been an interesting weekend. We have a new kitten, so... <gasps> you got a kitty? Yeah, so we finally got a, a kitten. We found one that we fell in love with and Aww. brought her home, and she is... Currently isolated from the dogs because she decided that she was going to be queen of the roost and attack the dogs while they were sleeping and all sorts of other stuff. So we're we're going through the integration process. Mm. Now, the fun thing is we haven't named her yet because I'm a big proponent of I want to know the animal's personality before we name them. Uh-huh. Uh, but there's a theme for all of our animals. All of our animals are named after video game characters. So if anybody out there listening has some suggestions you want to throw my way, I'm all ears. Chandra's. Uh, so you've got Sylvanas and you've got Tristana. She's, okay. She's attacking. She's attacking Sylvanas, Chandras. Yeah, I was actually, <laughs> I was actually thinking about that. Or the other option was uh, Illyria. Illyria is a good option. <laughs> the true that's, enemy. That's a know. good option. Yeah. I mean, if you wanted so. to go with a different video game entirely, I would say name her Hawk. But you know, that's because I really <laughs> like Dragon Age. <laughs> if you're doing that, you could go with Shepard. Yeah, uh, Shepard. Oh, dang, that'd be good, too. That's a good animal but, name. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but there's going to be lots of pictures, so everybody will be more than happy to, uh, or you're more than happy to love on her from remotely. So I saw a picture, I think, earlier today, and she was adorable. So that's cool. I'm glad you got a kitty. Everybody's in animals. I don't have any animals, guys. <laughs> Not allowed to have any animals. There are no animals in our house. My father dictates this. I do not. Otherwise, I would be coated in cats right now. Um, right. So, last time we convened, it was the day before Battle for Azeroth's launch. And um, since then, it's been two weeks. I don't know about you guys. I have one 120 now. Do you, did you guys hit 120? I have a 120, uh, 118, and uh, two 112s, so I'm working on well, Rossi is really ambitious. Joe, yeah. what about you? I also have a 120, and I'm debating what I want to boost the lion's side and start leveling. I have a Nightborn on Horde side that I need to play now because I'm mostly done with the main story arc for the Alliance side. I have to go do a Mythic, and then I think I'm done with all like the highlight reel of everything until like the next patch comes out and we get a next big story chunk for that side. Um, but I need to go play Horde stuff because I've heard everything is really fascinating over there, and I need to go roll around in some Loa for a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, the lowest stuff is so good. Well, good. So your 120 is on Horde side? 
Yes. Okay, uh, so we've got... The, the, the Horde Shaman loader has been leveled to 120. Okay, so we've got kind of like a sampling from both sides of the faction fence here. Sorry, guys, we have not played 120 on both sides just yet because that takes time. We don't necessarily have a lot of that these days. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm, I'm hoping by the next time we roll around into Lore Watch, I will have finished the 120 on the Horde side so that I've got like a clearer picture of both things. The cool part about Battle for Azeroth, and I do want to talk about like our general impressions of the expansion and everything. The cool part that I have seen so far is that the two faction stories are completely different things. Like there is no overlap in story mm-hmm. between the two. It's it's two completely different experiences um that's not always been the case uh, i think warlords probably i think warlords probably did the best job in terms of here is a complete zone and it's different for each faction but then everybody kind of got on the same path and the story overlapped right it was never really one complete story from beginning to end like this one is before what do you guys think about that i think it was necessary um, this time around, I don't think there's any way you could do each faction having the same stories, considering how they led up into this expansion. Uh, it, I think it works pretty well. I haven't. I've only done a little on Horde. I've got my Horde character to the point where he's got his gigantic necklace, and uh, is now that's that's as far as I took him. Uh, I haven't really been. There's been so many other things I wanted to do, but yeah, I think in general it's necessary to set up what they're going for. I don't think you could possibly do the even like the the warlords thing where you both had a, you had your own starter zone, but then you went into the other three zones. I mean, there were still some differences, but you couldn't do that this expansion. I don't think. What about you, Joe? I actually really appreciate that they did this, and I think that it's. I made a comment before I think last week that this to me feels like the best leveling experience. Because it is the best parts of Legion, the best parts of Warlords of Draenor, and the best parts of Pandaria all kind of rolled into one. So they sort of like picked and chose those bits. And giving each faction a unique story, I think, is important uh, and welcome. Because you got glimmers of it in the past. and But, but like you said, there was always this big unifying factor way early. Like it wasn't even something that came along a little bit later. It was way early. There was a big bad or something that brought all the factions together or something that they needed to focus on. Uh, that was, you know, more, more predominant than their or, individual know, some stories. Giant catastrophe, like what went yeah. down in Jade forest. <laughs> we had Jade forest. We had the iron horde. We had, you know, the Legion, like those are really cool things. Don't get me wrong. And I'm all, and I like those sort of, I like those types of stories too, but we're finally getting an idea of individual faction stories, which is really welcome. Like it just, it feels good. And when you finish your faction story, you have a complete, I don't want to say a sense of closure, but you understand what's happening inside of your faction. It's, it's more been like devoted an end... enough time to be robust. Yeah, it's more like an end of a chapter. Exactly. And as it's a satisfying to... end to the chapter. Yeah, as opposed to I got halfway through the chapter and then a rock hit me. So <laughs> Rocks fall, everyone dies. No. Um, beyond that, beyond the whole each faction has its own separate thing, it also feels like, to me anyway... Um, now, keep in mind, I've only played on Alliance so far. I did a little bit of Horde and Beta, but I didn't do everything on Horde and Beta because I wanted to save it and savor it. Um, it feels like 
each of the zone stories because each faction has their own island. You got Kul Tiris for the Alliance, you got Zandalar for the Horde, and each of those islands have three zones. Three massive, massive zones <laughs> full of quests all over the place. And to me, what I also found interesting was that it there was a little bit of interlock between the three zones, but they all kind of had their own distinct stories going for them. And I'm assuming it plays the same way Horde side. I know uh, that the little bit that I played in Voldoon and the little bit that I played in Nazmir were like two completely different things. So yes, the stories in those zones are contained, but they're all part of a whole that's being told throughout the entirety of the zones. So while they are individual things with individual players going on, they do tie into the greater horde story, which is really cool. Yeah. I think they did a really good job of that though, of, you know, letting that individuality kind of shine through and that interlock between these zones. It's just a connecting story thread. It's not something that drives your entire experience through the zone. Mm, I don't know if I agree with that necessarily horde side, because the things that you're going against in each of the zones ties back to the major plot point of the horde, not like a little thread, it's but the like, same it's... Thing. it's, I mean, it's the same thing on the Alliance side. Cause the Alliance side, you know what? Okay. Before we get too much further into the show, I'm just going to pause here and we're just going to set that aside for a second. This, this episode is going to involve spoilers guys. Um, the game has been out for two weeks. I haven't played through everything horde, but that's okay. We're going to talk about Horde spoilers. Um, I know, Joe, you haven't played through everything Alliance. We're going to talk Alliance. We're basically just no holds barred here. So <laughs> if you're avoiding any kind of spoiler content for Battle for Azeroth stuff, you might want to come back once you've finished hitting 120 or, you know, finish doing the storylines that you want to do. Um, just in case. All right. Back to that. <laughs> the Alliance side. Um, everything that you're doing... The stuff that you're doing in all three zones is specifically to get each of these zones and each of these like major houses to a point where they will go ahead and ally with Proudmoore again and unite Kul Tiris. That's what you're looking to do, is just unite Kul Tiris. So that's the unifying thread. And the thing is, is like each of the zones in there, like House Waycrest has its own problems that you have to go solve. And over in... Tiragard Sound, obviously, Lady Ashvane is, she's she's not doing good things, <laughs> and you need to resolve that. And then over in Stormsong Valley, there's a lot going down with the Tide Priests, and you kind of have to follow that to its natural end. So once you've done that, you've unified all these houses, and then you can go back to Boralis and go to Proudmoor. And, you know, say, hey, cool, we brought everybody back together again. And that's where it kind of comes back together. Is it a similar sort of thing with the Horde side? No, uh, it's a, a complete, it's, it's a you, different story. No, I mean a different story. But is it the same kind of thing where it's like each of these zones has like something that interlocks at the end with whatever yes. major overarching? Yeah, that, that, and that, okay. that, that, that is true. Instead of uh, unifying houses, though, and bringing everybody back together, it's fighting against what's trying to tear apart the Zandalari. So yeah, there's a rooting out corruption and yes. turn. I mean, I, I know more about it than I should cause I did it on the beta. So I mean, it's I haven't cool. done it in a while, Chit -chat but about from, it. from what I remember, uh, since we're doing spoilers, I'm just going to push the pedal down. Now the, uh, everything that goes on is related to Zul and to, uh, princess Talanji suspects Zul. So she's, off doing her thing in Nazmir, trying to like prove that 
that the blood trolls and Zool are related. The uh, stuff in Voldoon is about what happened with the old gods. And there's a group of seals. Like, Joe, the, the seals are involved in every three zone, right? Yeah, so there are three... Each zone has a seal, and those seals were Titan constructs that were made to oh. lock down the facility. Oh, okay. Yeah. See, you said there's a group of seals, and I'm thinking, like, you know, along the coastline, no. those things. No. <laughs> no. I got no. really confused for so, a minute there. The, the very first thing you see when you get into Zandalar. The great is seal the, in the. Is the great seal. In That's the Horde what embassy. He's, yeah. Right. And so as you go to Nazmir, you go and investigate and you see that one of them has been completely, you know, overturned and destroyed. And there there's void entities. There are faceless ones there. Um, you actually find a Titan Watcher uh, as well as several dead ones that you bring back to. to so this all kind of this all kind of goes into Titan stuff, basically. Yes. Which yeah. tells me that I really need to get a move on with my Horde character because I yeah. like this stuff a lot. <laughs> Voldoon is also based around... Uh... It's based around one of the Loa, Sethralis, um, mm-hmm. and it's based around her fight against uh, Chithraxi to try and protect one of the seals. And that ties back into the Zul thing, because one of Zul's henchmen ends up working alongside the uh, head of the of the, the bad Sethrak. Okay, well, and we don't need to go too far into this. I'm just saying that's all part of that story. But the it all ties together. Tie-in is basically, Zul is behind everything. Okay. That's the tie which is, I mean, that's kind of a no-brainer. We know it's well, bad news. I, the, the zone I didn't finish uh, on the beta is Voldoon. I've gotten bits and pieces since, but the, that's the one I, I know the least. I, I did Nazmir pretty extensively. Vol- Voldoon so, was actually a really cool story, too, just because of uh, it's got all the classic, like, you know, freeing people from oppression and and battling against this greater evil and also, like, an element of espionage, like, it feels like a movie almost done in the style of like the old Indiana Jones, which I think is really, really cool and really fun. But it's not like Oldham where the reference is beaten into your face. No, it's very subtle. Okay, it's good. not, it's not like Harrison <laughs> Jones comes swinging in and you have to like, you know, escape from a giant boulder that's been set on fire and you know, no, nothing like that. Yeah. Cause that, uh, they went a little overboard with Oldham, but, um, speaking of Oldham, actually speaking of old in general, you guys all went and got your shiny necklace rocks. Did you talk to the construct that was sitting mm-hmm. in the doorway, the one that had the crystal shoved through its chest? Yes? Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you, Joe? I actually did not. Okay. So, um, that particular construct, when you talk to it, it's basically monitoring Azeroth's health, and it's having issues because, obviously, Azeroth's health has been, like, kind of compromised. Um, and when it when it's talking, it starts listing off Titan facilities. And it starts listing off ones that we've heard of, obviously. You know, there's, like, Olduar, Oldham, all that other stuff. But then it starts listing off ones we've never heard of before. And I'm trying to find the screenshot of it because I do have, I have everything screenshotted. Um, let's see here. Uh, I can t- list some of them now. Yeah, um, go ahead and list some while I'm sifting through my screenshots, because I don't have to wait much longer here. There's Aldoris and Aldaz. Um, the ones that you get it when you talk to the Maiden of Vitality, it is. Uh, it lists Aldemon, Aldum, Aldoris, Alduar, Aldir, Aldaz, then she just starts going Ald, 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 Ald. So... That's the ones that she lists. Obviously, we already know about some of them, like Aldemon and 
Oldham and Olduar and Oldir, but we didn't know about Oldoris or Oldaz. Mm-hmm. Oldoris to me is the most interesting one because it's similar to Antorus, and it makes yeah. me think. It makes me think that every Titan world might have had a naming convention. Like there might have there might have been some. There might be an 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 Antimon, an Antum, uh, an Antuar, an Antir. Like you know what I mean? Like they might yeah. have all those different facilities on on Argus. It's like a naming convention type thing. Yeah, but that's interesting to me. We don't know anything about um, Old Oris or Oldaz other than that they were mentioned. But, no, they just might be names for other things that we've been to. Like for all I know, um, there are other things we've been to that were made by Titans. Like maybe Oldaris and- was another name for Sholazar or something. Maybe I uh, don't know. I mean, well, and that's that's the other thing too. Like we have a bunch of facilities that we have names for that we don't know if they had like a Titan name, right? Like, well, like for example, I mean, you go to Wintergrass. That's a Titan facility underneath, and a pretty big one, Agrimar's Vault. I mean, I don't know what Agram. Not it was an Agrimar's Vault. It wasn't Agrimar's Vault. What is the name of that stupid thing? But there's you know something close Ag- to that. It's yeah. a Titan Vault. It's the Vault of uh, Archivon. Vault Archivon, of Archivon. Thank yeah. you. And we don't know like what that was called. We don't know what the you know. There's lots of different things. Was there a designate for it? That kind of thing. Yeah. Um. There's what's the name of the five man? That's that's a, basically built on top of a Titan vault. More Maradon. 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 Yeah. Maradon's Maradon. Maradon's yeah. built on a on a Titan facility of some kind. We don't know anything about that. What its name? We've never actually been in it. No. Uh, but so there's so it could be any of that, or it could be something else. We don't know. Um. There's. Taramok, that's the Christian Caverns of Taramok, are the ones that, like, supposedly uh, vault of the Titans, that Theradros referred to the place as her home. It might have been the place she was imprisoned. There's lots of stuff, so I don't know. Yeah, when you talk to that maiden of vitality, she says, Subject Azeroth warning, catastrophic system failure in progress, planetary integrity at, calculating, calculating, calculating. And then she says, multiple containment breaches registered, recommended experts expurgation of following facilities Oldman, Oldham, Oldoris, Olduar Oldir, Oldaz, Old, 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 Old there's like four other Olds without and she could either be skipping or maybe she's trying to name another one I don't know um, and then the last thing that she says is subject Azeroth, major arrhythmia detected, vitals exceeding acceptable parameters attempting to update incidents reports, error, 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 error now this is all before you stabilize her mm-hmm. um, this is all before you like get your fancy swank necklace and do all of that stuff so the arrhythmia part of it that's what you were trying to fix that's why when you go in there you hear that weird heartbeat and then it kind of stabilizes back out after you're done so you're you're playing doctor with the world which is a little weird here's the other thing that i was wondering rossi um obviously well okay each of the various old gods were contained in a titan prison so like Ulduar was for Yogg-Saron, and then you have Cthune. Cthune was the Temple of Ankaraj, but maybe that's one of these other facilities. Could be, yeah. It, it obviously could be. Because we, we don't, don't know what know... Ankaraj was called before that, yeah. Right. We also don't know where Nazoth was imprisoned, or what that facility was called. So this might have something to do with that, too. It was one of those really interesting, just like right off the bat, they're like, here, let's let's just hit you with something that nobody is talking about. 
<laughs> just on this random NPC that you may or may not talk to as you're on your way to get your little widget, your goody widget. And most people were just interested in getting the goody widget. I don't think they even looked at that statue. Um, we did because we're weird like that. <laughs> well, if it's got a, you know, if it's got a bubble a thing on it that'll let me talk to it, I'll try and talk to it. I mean, yeah. it's just wow. So, but That's... what's really weird with this too is not just that. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh, NPC in question, the uh, maiden, of, say maiden vitality. of vitality, yeah. she was also present in the Hall of Communion. Yeah. And just because we're teleporting to the heart chamber from a portal in Silithus, I mean, does that mean it's in Silithus? And if so, is this what Sargras was trying to stab? Yeah, the teleporter's like, real close to a sword, man. It might I mean, be because he was trying to go through the heart of the world and kill it. But well, was he trying to do that? That's that's what's really interesting about all this. I don't. We don't know what he was trying to do. I feel like that last ditch attempt was. I can't have Azeroth. I can't let Azeroth become a dark titan. I'm going to kill this planet because nobody else is doing it, and they're about to vacuum Hoover me away <laughs> to prison somewhere. I got to make sure this doesn't mm. happen. So he tried to stab the world. That's what I feel like, but. See, and that's where I don't know, because yeah. it, it, always, it always struck me as Sargeras was a lot, I mean, he may be the, the quote-unquote mad titan, but I think he was a little bit smarter than that, and he, like, the whole reason he wanted Azeroth was to defeat the Void, and, like, he knew that Azeroth was corrupted, and, or, or potentially corrupted, but he well, still wanted to, to purge that corruption and bring no. her to fight the Void, right? No. Like, he wanted thing- his brand of corruption. The thing was, was like Azeroth was one of the most powerful world souls they had ever seen, but it was already infested. The whole reason Sargeras went cuckoo, and well, he didn't really go cuckoo, but the reason he formed the Burning Legion to begin with was because he went to the Titans after discovering this world that was infested by old gods and destroying it before it could become a dark Titan. He went to the Titans and said, you guys, we need to check for this and just start killing planets left and right. The Titans were like, whoa, no, hey, hold on here. There's probably other ways to do it. Sargeras didn't agree. He took off. He formed the Burning Legion. The Titans happened upon Azeroth, noticed that it was infested with these old gods, and found a way to contain them, pull them away, do, you know, do all their little widgets and things. Sargeras found it later, and he found it because Agrimar came to him and said, look, we we fixed it. We fixed this problem. You don't have to kill planets. We found this way powerful world soul out in the middle of nowhere. Man, you wouldn't believe how powerful this thing is. But it had the old gods on it, but we locked them all away, and it was all good. And we all know how that ended. He killed the Titans. Well, later on, he stumbled across Azeroth and realized, oh, this is the world that they fixed, quote-unquote. And he's been trying to corrupt that world to turn it not into the dark titan but into a fell titan something that could stop the void void. and Mm. help him in his task so that's why i'm kind of like thinking that because i i'm thinking that his reasoning was if i can't have this thing we can't let it survive because the void will get it eventually you know what i mean and while i could see that i just don't know if he would he would let his plans fall or because i mean yeah, In his own is, mind, he wanted to save the universe, right? Well, plus there's one other thing here. We keep acting like what what has happened to Sargeras is a permanent solution. It's not even a temporary solution. No. He'll be out soon. 
Yeah. The idea that Illidan and a bunch of guys he already killed once are going to be able to hold him indefinitely in, in the terms of Titan's lifespans, this is an inconvenience. We have at best interrupted his plan. So now, here's, wait, on our wait, lifespan, hold up, hold up, hold up. I have to interrupt for a second. Do you think the Anduin comic where he showed up at the end and he's an old man, do you think maybe that was the point where Sargeras busted back out again? It's entirely possible. I don't know that that's actually what they were talking about in that story. Because for all I know, they were they were going off to fight old gods. I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Well, I mean, that's but the other thing. It's... Don't forget, like, Antorus had that nasty little uh, void infestation happening on that one little section of it, too. So, Yeah, I, and... I don't think that Sargeras can be counted out yet. And though I don't think he, he would have said, well, all right, I'll just kill it. Because I don't think he considers this game over. Like, I got to kill it because if not, the Void will inevitably win. I think he at most feels like this is an incredible annoyance. But, you know, what, what's going to happen in that time that he's imprisoned there? Uh, the other Titans are going to have to spend all their time holding him there, which means they can't do anything. Uh, Illidan's going to be fighting him, but that's like, what? What's Illidan going to do to him? Nothing. Illidan can't hurt him. Punch he can at most, you know, he can annoy him. Eventually, the Titans are going to see things his way. One way or another, they're going to see things his way. Well, think about it this way, though, right? Like, boy, the easiest way for the easiest way for them to see his point is if that sword accidentally freed the old gods and the world got corrupted, isn't it? Well, not just Azeroth, but think about it. Like, the Burning Legion cleansed, quote unquote, how many planets? Like, scoured them of void taint and and life and life, but there's no void taint there. The Burning Legion's no more. What millions and millions of worlds, or something like that. He's so, talking about the Titans doing it, not the... the yeah. Sure. But the idea is, what happens if the Burning Legion is not there and the, and the Titans aren't there to trigger origination, reorigination or to do the, the scouring and the cleansing? And then all of a sudden, these planets start becoming void corrupted to the point of Koresh. And that I, I honestly think that that would horrify the Titans enough that they could potentially see it his way. Like, I think Rossi is not far from the mark. Well, plus there's also some other things to consider. And I think that, that we're starting to see that in uh, in Battle for Azeroth. And I think we're starting to see that in terms of what's going on. Uh, there's there's the light entities. The light is out there and it does things. We saw that with Kalia Menethil. The light is hardly helpless against the Void. The light is, in fact, quite capable of fighting the Void. It's been focused on the Legion because the Legion has been the greater current, current threat. But now that the Legion has been dealt with, the 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 Naru and the Light have a new focus, mm-hmm. and it might be to a degree the Maghar storyline kind of points in this direction that the Light can be just as ruthless, if not more ruthless, prosecuting the war against the Void as it can as anything else. Secondly, well, like two sides of the same coin. Secondly, there's a lot of weird death stuff going on in this expansion. There's so much death stuff going on. I, yeah. Well, I, both both the Horde and Alliance side. The Horde have Juan Samdi, who is clearly up to something. That dude is planning. He's planning six I, levels. I need well, to play Horde so bad. <laughs> there's also the Alliance has Thros, the Blighted Land. Yeah. There's, there's a couple really big quotes, too, like, throughout yeah. the questing that, that lead to that as well. Like, Juan Samdi who is one of the greatest NPCs ever refers to a boss. His boss will not be happy. That is the exact line. Who is he working for? That's a good question. That's Uh, an excellent question. Especially since there's two low of death that we know of. 
Mm-hmm. More although, at least lower that have been attributed to death. Yeah. Although one of them might actually be the same one as Bon Samdi, we don't really know. Sure. Uh, We've actually. This... Um, I'm going to interrupt you too because we do have a, an email here um, that may be relevant to this current discussion. So I figure uh, we should go ahead and read that email. Um, by the way, if you have an email for Lore Watch, you can send that to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. Just put Lore Watch in the subject line so that we know it's intended for the show. Uh, this one is from Neil, who says, Hi guys, Neil here. Do you think that Moizala will show up at some point in Battle for Azeroth, given that he has a shrine in Tal Farak, and that the other two Loa associated with him via the tablet of the Gaul, Shadra and Kimball, play a part in at least this first piece of the expansion? I would think that since Cahoon is a threat to Wansamdi, he would be he would be to one. He would be one to Moizala as well, given that they are both Death Loa. Also, what are your thoughts on the theory that Moizala took Odin's eye? Thank you, uh, Neil. <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting theory. Uh, I know people are saying it because Moizala has similar characteristics to the entity that Odin dealt with in the Shadowlands. I don't think the Loa actually count as Shadowlands entities. Like they nope. exist there, but they're not. They're they're still. Most of them still seem to be wild gods. They still yeah, seem to be because death in death agents, right? Death is a is a natural part of life. It's a it's a thing that happens. So death ancients seem to be born out of like life in in a way. That's and this goes back to the uh, stuff going on uh, in Drusvar. But I'm going to try and contain it to this for right now. Um, I think Wazala might be another name for Bonzamdi because the Sand Fury are pretty separate from other troll you know, groups. They have their own so identity. So they might be one and the same thing? They might be. on the Especially since Bon Samdi and Shadra and, and Kim are all pretty heavily involved in this. Yeah. So that's certainly one possibility. On the other hand, there could be more than one Loa of death. Uh, one could be like a death god. One could be like a god about death. Bon Samdi seems to be much more about that moment of death. Mm-hmm. Especially like, I mean, if you've died... In 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 uh, Zoldazar, you've seen the guy, and he's cracked wise on you. It's that transitional I, moment that he seems to be in charge of. He, it's the same thing with the Rastakhan story. When Rastakhan is dying because of what Zul did, I think he actually dies, right? And then Razan so. Razan comes up and says, "Give him back." Oh yeah, and, that's right. He does die. Yeah. And Razan, Juan Samdi is not some all powerful entity of death because Razan straight up bullied him into giving. Uh, you know, Rastakhan's soul back. He yeah. said, do it or I'll hurt you. No, no, he didn't even say hurt. He said, don't forget you can die too. Yeah. Like that, that that's literally when a giant T-Rex says to the God of, to, to the, the Loa of death. Yeah, I can still kill you. That that's, and, that's impressive. And keep in mind too, that, that that's probably, probably related to what happens to Razan. Um, Razan becomes undead. Razan dies. Uh, all the Loa can die. And that's the thing is all the Loa can come back unless very specific circumstances are met. The one Loa we know for sure will never come back is the the Mastodon one, the Mammoth one, Memta, I think. I can't pronounce it. Yeah. yeah. He's the only one we know can't come back because he blew himself up. He used his immortal spirit as as a as his means of vengeance against his own followers who were gonna drain him. That's the only one who can't come back. Uh, any other And I Loa, mean if you wanna once again, we have to kind of like point to the fact that the Loa appear to be the troll equivalent of the wild gods. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're kind of like the ancients, and the ancients have been known to die and come back again. Look at yeah. all of them that came back in Cataclysm. This is muddied a little bit by the fact that the uh, the trolls use the word Loa 
to mean any sufficiently powerful spirit. Yeah. Because they, they call Gahoon a Loa, and they call Hakar a Loa, and they call wisps that night elves leave Loa. behind Loa. So the word is a little vague, but most of the Loa, especially the ones the Zandalari seem to worship and the ones that other trolls worshipped, come from the fact that the Zandalari worshipped them because the Zandalari were the first troll empire. There's a sense that the ones that they tend to worship are the troll equivalent of the ancients from Mount Hyjal because Zandalar Isle was originally Zandalar Mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you also it, have to look at, you also have to look at the troll druids and the origination of the troll druids. Mm-hmm. Gonk led and, them into the Emerald Dream. There is a connection there, like a solid connection there. Well, plus, I mean, it didn't even mention like, you know, previously no troll, no Loa would allow like a servant to, to draw from more than one of them because they were jealous and didn't want to share followers. I think mm-hmm. so, and yeah. Gonk basically was the one who's like, no, nah, man, we got to we got to let them do this so they can help defend us better. And it's only the only the, the troll druids that can touch upon multiple ancients in that way, multiple Loa. And there's in terms of the, the one, the question being asked, do I think he will show up? I think he maybe already has. Well, and I'm curious about that too. I'd like to go back to the question because I see uh, if it depends on the manifestation of the face of the death of, or the death God or the death Loa, like, Moisala was always associated with sacrifice, like specifically sacrifice. That's why he was summoned was to, you know, for the Sand Fury to have their sacrifices accepted. It wasn't Bomsambi that showed up. It was, you know, Mozala that was there before the moments of death. Yeah. So I'm wondering I'm wondering if it's an aspect shift um, because the only I mean, the, the Faraki are the only ones that are really noted of like worshiping Ute no Mozala. So. And it could I'm be, really it, curious about yeah. that. It could be something as simple as one of them handles the actual killing and the other one handles what you do when you're dead. Yeah. There's, and then, if we use Egyptian mythology, there's Anubis versus Wapawet versus Osiris. Sure. They're all kind of related to death, but Anubis We also have Samedi out there as well, the Dark, the dark Spear of one worshipping him for years. Yeah. And that's the low of the grave. Like, we, you know. we have like another email here that also kind of ties into all of this, so I'm going to ask that one too. Um, this one says, greetings, mighty, mighty Loa of lore. <laughs> Long-time listener with a quick question. We know the ancients can come back to life because they're bound to the Emerald Dream. So are Loa bound to any other plane of existence where they could return if killed, or would Bwamsamdi have to be able to return them? Thank you for your time. That's from Crits Happen of Boulderfist. Hey, we already know that Torga was returned from from death, and he had nothing to do with Bwamsamdi. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ancient, the Loa that are ancients, the Loa that are effectively the same, they're, they're wild gods, can return, and it's not up to Bwan Samdi whether or not they can. Although there is an interesting thing in the questing that you do, especially as you go through uh, Nazmir and you deal with Bwan Samdi in general, is with uh, the, tor- the 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 yeah. with Torda being dead or like quote unquote, it's Bwan Samdi that has to bring the spirit forward before it regenerates. For anyone to talk with him, which I think is really, really interesting. It seems like Juan Samdi plays a role a little bit more like Anubis in Egyptian mythology. Yeah. Or like Hermes in Greek mythology. He's sort of the psychopomp, the one that handles the the interplay between life and death. Yeah. But and, that's and, that's just a theory. I don't have he, any evidence. I, but I thought about that too. Like he Juan Samdi almost see, feels like the gatekeeper, right? And then you combine that with the idea of he still works for someone. There's still somebody above him on the hierarchy of death that 
you know, he's just the doorman telling people where to go and sort of like letting them peek back out. Um, there's also, and, and I, I don't want to, it's been ruined a little bit, but there's also a really big interplay about death and the Loa involving Vol'jin. Mm-hmm. And if, I don't know, Anne, have you seen that as well or no? I have not. Okay. So maybe we want to like veer away from that one just a little bit. Yeah, but all, all I'm going to say is Wamsandi is not omnipotent with death. Okay. That that, that is that is. I very, think in general, yeah. In in general, the Loa, there's there's some debate as to whether or not Shadra will be back. Uh, Yasma, when she's draining at Shadra, says "die forever," but that doesn't mean she actually will die forever. It just means Yasma wants her to, because we know what happens when like the Drakari were draining their Loa. If the Loa isn't destroyed forever, they can get revenge. Um, Quetzal in in Zoldrak, yeah, gets revenge on her prophet for for doing exactly what ya- what Yasma does for draining her essence into him. She uses the player to to drag that that prophet to to her underrealm where she can torture him forever. So the Loa, this is a risky game that Zul and his followers are playing. It's the risky game that the ones in Zulaman started. It's the risky game that the ones in Zuldrak perfected because you, unless you, unless it's like what Mamtuth did and blows himself up, unless the, the Loa kills themselves to stop it, they can come back even from this. It also kind of sheds a little bit more light on why maybe the Zandalar popped up way back in vanilla when everything was going down in ZG with a car. Yeah. This is, uh, this is the kind of thing that they have a really vested interest in. It's definitely interesting too. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to actually swing it back over to the Alliance side for a minute. Cause I want to talk about Dressvar and, and Thros because the Dress before we talk about Dressvar, um, I actually have an email about Dressvar too. So I kind of want to, okay. can I bring up the email and then we can go from there? Cause I do want to sure. talk about the dress and, and all of that that's going on over there. Uh, this one is from Teresandra Worgen DK and proud patron. Thanks, Teresandra, who says, Hey, Watchers, do you feel Blizzard missed an important opportunity to talk about imperialism in Drustvar? Lucille Wayacrest talks about Drustvar being first settled by her ancestors and also that it was the Drust's ancestral home. Despite all the bad, and there's a lot of bad, doesn't that make the Drust kind of sympathetic? I keep hoping there'd be something more, but their story just seemed flat, as if they attacked for no reason rather than, it seems, defending their home. No, it's actually this ties right into it. Yep. Um the 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 Thornspeaker Druids uh were started by the Drust and their current leader, the the chief, head Thornspeaker is a Drust named Ulfar. Ulfar never comes out of bear form. He stays in bear form, which is And he's that, so cool. <laughs> yeah. Big terrifying wicker bear form. But he says things that indicate that there was a war between the two Drust factions, between the Thornspeakers and the ones following Gorak Tool, because Gorak Tool was doing creepy, creepy stuff with what appears to be a twisted version of the of the Drust Druid's powers. Because everything Gorak Tool does involves breaching the bounds of death. It's very if you if you. It's done like he the, went death magic instead of nature yeah. magic. Except that he didn't go uh, instead of. It's the druid magic. It's just the death portion of it. And that's what it really reminds me of the stuff we're seeing over on the other side. I think this stuff's going to tie together. I think Thros and the Drust are going to tie together. But in terms of the the imperialism thing, we're going to see that. And we have been seeing it. That's what the Horde is doing right now. 
straight up. That's what the Horde is doing, is imperialism. That's what's going on. She's, they're trying to make an empire. That's what Sylvanas wants. Whether or not they, that she goes beyond that, she has ulterior motives, there's a whole thing about her true motives. That's all out there, too. But we're seeing that right now. That's happening. The, the reason the Drust stuff doesn't really qualify is because the Drust were having a civil war. And there's a stele outside Aram's stand that has images. I, I was writing about the Drust this week. And there's images on the stele of the Drust fighting people that looked like them, but that could, could also become great beasts. There were, Which, um, there are actually notes about that all over the world or all over mm -hmm. Drustvar. There's an yeah. achievement for collecting it. Um, speaking of which, there are lore achievements. I'm not sure about on the Horde side because, like I said, haven't played it. But on Alliance side, there's at least one. There, there are some because I've, I've stumbled upon one of those things over okay. there. Okay, okay. Um, I know in Stormsong, there's like a section of tablets that you can find scattered around the zone that tell the story of the Tide Sages. Over in Drustvar it talks about the Drust and the history of the Drust and I think there's like I want to say 8 to 10 tablets, something like that 8 to 10 of those steles that you were talking yeah. about well, One of them talks about specifically the, the Drust were apparently at war with the, themselves. They were fighting their own druids before the humans showed up and when Gorak Tool became in, he took charge, the druids were like, "This guy is no good at all. He is he's de he's demeaning us. He's debasing us. Uh, he's turning us into monsters who attack people for no reason. We can't support this. We've got to stop it." When the humans showed up, um, they tried to make like to talk to the Drus. They're like, "Hey, you know, we're over here on this other island, and because uh, there's three islands that make up Calteris, effectively, the sound breaks it up into three islands. They're like, we're over here." We totally, you know, we're we're cool with just trading. That's, the, you know, sorry about, you know, we didn't know you were here. And the Drust response was to slaughter them wholesale immediately, just to kill their farmers. The second, completely butchering unarmed people without a, a strict of regret because they could be used in rituals. That's what Gorak Tol was doing. He was effectively gathering ritual materials. And if it meant slaughtering people, that's fine by him. He didn't care. And the the Druids were like, okay, then we're back in them. We're helping those people. And... Even the creatures of the forest, like there's a there's a sapient talking stag named Althir, and I don't know if Althir is supposed to be an ancient or something, but he's a big magical talking stag. He fought the Drust. He's from there. It's like Drustvar itself was rejecting Gorak Tool in his his reign. It's got a lot of I don't want to say synergy, but it's like it's got a lot of resonance with what's going on in Battle for Azeroth. And the Drust in particular, and especially Gorak Tool, has a lot of resonance with what's going on with Zul on the other side. It's like something, it's very similar, but it happened thousands of years ago. Gorak Tool took over his society and turned it into one where people who failed him got stuck into wicker effigies and turned into monsters. Like that's when the humans started to win the war, the Drust began using their own dead soldiers to make wicker abomination monsters. Like that's, that's how bad it got. So there's a lot going on here. I don't think really imperialism is the right, right vector for this particular story. If you want to feel bad for the Drust, feel bad for the Drust who ended up being the Thorn Speakers because they had to basically teach another people to be them. They had to replace themselves. And they, you know, they've all died out except for one of them. There's one, there's one Drust left. Gorktul doesn't count. Gorktul's been dead for like, I don't know how long, a couple thousand years. That guy's been living in Thros this whole time. Let's uh. talk about Thros. Thros is the Blighted Lands, and it's basically the land that 
the Drust retreated to after their war against the humans, after that wasn't successful, um, they basically moved on to that. It's almost like another, it's like the Shadowlands, kind of. It's like another plane of existence, and they just kind of live on there as spirits, and they're always constantly trying to return to the physical world, essentially. It um, reminded me a lot of Helheim. Yeah. It's the Drust like remind Helheim, me a lot. Yeah. Helheim and also a little bit like the Shadowlands that you run into in the Death Knight starting experience. Because yeah, it's like it's... an overlaid version of Drustvar on the map. Like map-wise, it looks like the map of Drustvar, but it's a different plane, kind of. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because I think this ties back into the whole idea of Death Loa and, being, and maybe Loa being tied into another plane. I certainly think Death Loa might be tied into the Shadowlands the same way that other ancients and wild gods might be tied into the Emerald Dream. I feel like the Shadowlands are coming forth as sort of their own version of the Emerald Dream. Kind of. Like Shadow Dream. And I definitely, when Joe mentioned the whole thing about Bon Sandy saying, my boss isn't going to be happy about this, the first thing I thought was, who gave Gorak Tool the power to defy death? How is it that Gorak Tool can just not die? Like, they stabbed him. Like, you know, they, they, they should have killed him. Plenty of other Druss died. Why can't Gorak Tool? Where is he getting his power from? Is he just, you know, he can't just be an evil wizard. Something's going on here. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot going on with death in this expansion. Gorak Tool by himself kind of, like, upsets the uh, thing. Well, and even doesn't even say, like, he, when you, like, take him out in the end of, like, the Waycrest Manor stuff, isn't it, like, you only taken out a vessel? Like, this is nothing. This is nothing but an inconvenience to me. Well, yeah, because when you kill Waycrest, when you kill the Waycrests, he's like, you know, hell, that that's what I wanted. I wanted him dead. Now I can come through. And when he comes through and you stop him, he's even like, he goes back in. And then when you do the, the should we talk about the Janus story? Because the Janus story kind of touches on this. Um, Yeah, we could go ahead and talk. Are you okay with us talking about the Janus story? No, I don't care. Go for it. Okay. All right. I know it's something you haven't played through yet. Uh, Jaina... After she arrives in Kultira, she says, hey, mom, what's up? And mom says, I don't like you anymore. But most of that is because of Lady Ashvane, who says, hey, you know what? She's a traitor. You know what the punishment for traitors is? Death. Um, And Catherine basically disowns her daughter. And instead of killing her, sentences her to exile on a place called Fate's End, which is an island kind of in the middle of nowhere it's off the coast of Stormsong Valley um, people don't go there only Tide Sages can access the island and even the Tide Sages don't walk on the island because anybody who has set, set foot on the island they're never seen again um, and it turns out when you go there because um, Catherine has a change of heart after she realizes that Ashvane's not good um, she sends you to find Jaina and you find out that Jaina has been sentenced to exile on Fate's Inn and you go there to find her. She's not there. She's been sucked away to Thros. And go ahead and talk about Thros, Rossi. Thros is essentially... Thros. It's like what... Yeah, it's what you were talking about um, before. Uh-huh. The, the, the Shadowlands. It's very much... It's like the Shadowland version of Drusfar. It's yeah. like this this one-for-one repeat of it, but... With all these like horrible wicker monsters everywhere screaming at you, and as you're you're going around it, one of the things that happens is you you run into like fragments of Jaina's soul it, that are like been scattered. Split. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're scattered around the place, and she's reliving like some of her worst moments. Like she relives uh, the the first one I remember is the Varian one. That's the first one I found. Oh God, but... that was the last one. The first one I went into was uh, the people of Theramore. 
yelling yeah, at the, her because they were very more. angry yeah. about being dead. Um, the second one that you run into is Ronan and the curator yeah. who are very unhappy with Jaina. Yeah. He, he's berating her and telling her that he trusted her to lead and she's letting all her personal differences and things like essentially taint her for the position and da 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 it's a lot of people yelling at Jaina. It's a lot of people yelling yeah. at Jaina, but it's those voices but, but, that she hears every time. Hearing yeah. Tor one in particular is painful because there's this moment where you see her response is this, this very small, but they lied to me. Yeah. And it's just heartbreaking because they did. They lied to her. They're a bunch of liars. Um, but it, it, the whole thing, the whole place is basically where the Drust ended up because Gorak Tool wouldn't let them die. Yeah. Like Gorak Tool did something... He, he, one of the things that the Drust Magic does is it lets you draw a soul back from the Shadowlands, but when you do, you trap it in an effigy until you're ready to use it, and trapping the soul in the effigy drives it crazy. Like it, it can't, the soul is isolated, it can't move on, it can't do anything, and the process drives them to madness. So all the Drusts at this point are just vengeance crazy lunatics. They just want to kill everything. As you're going through um, Thros, or Thros. Is it Thros or Thros? I don't know. I'm I gonna think say it's Thros. Thros. Yeah. I'm going to go with Thros. As you're going through it, like you keep running into them and they're like, you know, she is ours. And you finally get to the, the last fight and Gorak Tool's still, you know, Gorak Tool just pops right up. And... He shows up because he's there. <laughs> yeah, all, <laughs> He's <it's> everywhere. <laughs> and uh, I think he's actually, isn't he the one who's like pretending to be uh, Dalen? That's the worst one. That's the end one. Yeah, it? yeah. He no, no. He attacks. No, he attacks after that. He yeah. You there's... you attack the effigy that was taking the form of Dalen and tormenting Jaina, and then right after that, that's when Gorok Toll shows up and says, "No, I don't think so. You're not going to take anybody from here, and you're all going to stay here forever." Essentially. Yeah, and so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot more to this than we're getting through because this show only lasts so long and we have to talk about other things but basically thros is like this example of how there's this unnatural stasis place where you don't ever get to move on where you die and it doesn't matter like your death just means you're trapped in another place forever i i really feel like we're getting we're getting that more and more in this expansion it's like, like a dark keeps, nightmare limbo yeah but but that that really has resonance with sylvanas Here's the other part that I find kind of interesting. Um, And I don't know if you caught this, Rossi, or if you thought there was anything kind of interesting about it. I did. Uh, The the way that you access the Blighted Lands, the entrance to it is a great tree called Olanoth. Oh, yeah. And it was sacred to the ancient Dross before him. Yeah. Well, we know lots about trees and ancient trees and really big, great trees and things like that. So is this another Druid tie-in? I'm assuming so, but why does this one go to Deathland instead of the Emerald Dream? You know? Honestly, I, I find it interesting because Drust Druids are the first Druids we've ever gotten who seem absolutely isolated. Independent of the Emerald yeah. Dream entirely. Yeah, and the other thing about Drust Druids that I find interesting is this. They use those complicated runes for everything. Like when you're activating the gate to go in to Thros, there's runes around, around the border, and you have to it's use like those a runes. Runic puzzle, yeah. yeah. Who else uses runes all the time to do magic stuff? The Frykul. Yeah, and these guys look. You look at Gorak Tool sometime. That dude oh, looks yeah, like he's a Frykul. Yeah, yeah. And if you look at the old, what's really interesting is if you look at the old images, like when you do the quests. In, in the uh, zone, uh, just south it's south of uh, Aram Stand. When you're doing the quest to like basically 
go a little further in the storyline and find out what's going on. You see the stele where they show the, the images of when the Drust were making war on the original settlers. Uh, they look human. Yeah. The Drust look like just humans. Humans with cool hats, but humans. Uh, just wearing a, a special hat doesn't make you not a human. I mean, believe me, I've tried. I've worn lots of hats in my life. I'm still human. Um, so I just I find these guys really fascinating because it would make sense if they could tap if they could tap into the Emerald Dream and the Shadowlands directly. Because who are the other people that you know? Freya, one of the Titan Forged, made the Emerald Dream. Yeah. And Helia, big time Vrykel sorceress. Mm-hmm. You know, and she, you know, I can so I'm like looking at this going okay. There's so much similarity between Gorak Tool's Thros and Helia's Helheim. And we haven't seen Helia since she quote-unquote died. And the last time we saw Helia, she was making a deal with Sylvanas Windrunner. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen or heard anything about what that deal was or what, how it all played out. Like, and we, we keep reading about how Sylvanas... I mean, like, obviously this... the deal didn't work out for Sylvanas because the lantern that she got, again, got rid of that. Well, I mean, we haven't seen the end of that yet, though, I don't think. I just I find myself wondering what if the deal was one of the reasons Sylvanas seems really determined to not die and to not let her people die is because I can imagine the deal she would have made might have been something along the lines of you take my place because Helia hated it there. Helia hated her job. Oh, yeah. It was, she, forced, it was forced on her by Odin. You know? She was trapped, so, essentially, wasn't she? Like, really? Like, you see the summoners trying to summon her out of there. Yeah. There's you like, know. lots of stuff going on here. I, I really... The whole thing with Juan Samdi having a boss, the whole thing with uh, like Thros and Gorak Tull doing all this death stuff. There's a ton of like we thought this expansion is going to be the Void and the Old Gods, and they certainly seem to be playing a role. We've got but Ashara. there's this overarching theme involving death and death magic and, and what's beyond yeah. the grave and all that other stuff too that plays in as, really heavily. Which I think, which I think it has de- to since we're dealing with Sylvanas as like a main story point yeah. essentially, right? As as a death knight, I found myself personally offended by the Heartsbane Coven because they didn't come to me with any of this. They didn't like, hey, Death Lord, can we? No, they just started willy nilly raising people from the dead and defiling towns. And I, I have this is a union shop, okay. <laughs> This this is not so you don't just come on in and, and scab undead people. No. No, you talk to me first. That other undead when that Death Knight went to raise that red dragon skeleton, he he real he recognized that I had the authority to stop him and he fought me and I killed him. Because that's how it works. There's a plan here. No, but in all sincerity, there's a lot going on here. We should talk about the Ashara short though, because I think that ties in too, but I don't I want to talk about the short before we talk about that. Um well we're running low on time here. So why don't we talk about that animated short real quick? Because that's the other thing that came out in Gamescom. Uh, basically, big gaming convention, biggest gaming convention, really. Uh, they premiered the last Warbringer short, and that was Warbringers as Shara. It was beautiful. And it also said a lot about what went on in that moment that Ashara went from Queen of the Calderai, you know, leader of the Calderai Empire, to... Queen Ashara, Queen of the Naga, and underwent that transformation that turned her into what she is now, which is very different. Um, what'd you guys think of that one? You should go first, Joe. I've been talking a lot. No, go ahead, man. Okay. Uh, I, one of the things that first caught my eye was the fact that the uh, the Highborn of Suramar, protecting just one city, needed the help of the Eye of Amonthul mm-hmm. and like all and all of them, all of the wizards they had, all the sorcerers they had on, on hand 
to prevent their city from being destroyed. By herself, as Shara nearly prevented the same thing from happening to Zinashari. By herself. By herself. And had she said, screw it, and just stopped trying to protect everybody else, she'd have been fine. Yeah. She, there's absolutely no way you can convince me she wasn't perfectly capable of saving herself, but she didn't. And I'm not saying she didn't do it out of the goodness of her heart. I'm not saying she was a kind or wonderful individual, but she did care about her people in the abstract, the people that served her. That loved and worshipped her. I yeah. don't think it's the people that she cared about. I think, I think it's it, her empire that she cared about. And without her people, without without her people, without people to serve her, without people to adore her, she is queen of nothing. Just like she said to, and I'm assuming that that's Nazoth that she was talking to. Because oh, yeah. yeah. yeah that's definitely. Nazoth yeah. that she's talking to. By the way, Darren DePaul did the, the voice. Darren DePaul did the voice. That's Reinhardt doing the voice of an old god. <laughs> Reinhardt and a million different other characters and man he did a really good job with the voice work on that one um it was creepy downright creepy but uh what I found really telling was just how just what kind of a creature as Shara is because in the moment that she is dying she is drowning. She is not long for this world. And she knows she's not long for this world. She knows that she's just going to, like, kick the bucket right there. That old god offers her a chance at survival and says, all you have to do is serve. And rather than saying, I would like to live, so yes, I will take that deal, like, immediately right off the bat, uh-uh. She stops and she negotiates. <laughs> she holds well, a she negotiation doesn't... session. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She doesn't negotiate. She, she basically doesn't say, demands. She doesn't say, hey, can we meet? We can meet halfway. She's like, no, no. it is this it's or It's my nothing. way or the highway. Yep. While she's dying, it's her way or the highway. That's the kind of creature that we're dealing with with Ashara. I really hope, because I know she's going to come up as a raid boss. I know it, right? I really hope she gets away because the kind of power that Ashara has is something that would be completely wasted in a one-and-done raid encounter. You know what I mean? I I kind of hope that we never, like, we don't fight her as a raid boss. Mm. And, and it's because I want her orchestrating something absolutely brilliant that just, like, completely sidetracks us because, she, it, it, like, in that short, you have Nazoth saying, I have watched you for a thousand years from beneath these waves. And what has she been doing since that's happened, she's been watching what we as heroes have been doing. If there is any villain that has ever existed in the history of Warcraft that should know how to play every single faction and every single hero like a fiddle, it needs to be her. And it needs to be not just a one and done. It needs to be not just like a Helia style encounter where we, we crash into her city, blah, 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 blah. No, she's no. way smarter than that. She's it has to way be, smarter than that. I, I want it to be like... Blofeld, like, completely, absolutely insane, knows everything that's going on and, like, does all these things that draw us in in very specific places, only to tell us later, you did exactly what I wanted you to do. You I'll want see her you to, guys later. You want her to Xanatos it, which is what she absolutely. should do. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's one of the things about it that I found really interesting, going back to the thing about when she tries to save Zinashari. I agree with you that she's not doing it because she loves her people so much as she's doing it because without her people, she doesn't have 
anything. And I think you're right, absolutely right that that's reflected in her her statement to Nazoth. But I also think it's interesting because it goes beyond what we assumed about her. There's there is in Ashara that which recognizes that without an empire, without followers, she is nothing. And there's a level of self-awareness there. She's got too much self-awareness to def- like she doesn't delude herself. When Nazoth offers her the deal and she says no, he says you will die and she goes as a queen, not a slave. She knows she could die in that moment. She in fact knows it's likely and she's willing to die what she is rather than compromise it. And that's what she is with her people. If she cannot be a queen, she will be nothing. Well, more importantly, and she's she'll okay still with be dying. Yeah, because she'll she'll still be a queen. Well, yeah, it's the same way yeah. that when when the you know pharaohs die in their they're entombed, their memory, they're still pharaohs. They died pharaohs, right? That's the, and that's the thing here that's really fascinating. Ashara would rather die than compromise who she is, and she's had ten thousand years to work on exactly what she's going to do. She's, she's going to conquer the world and, and build that empire that Nazoth wants because it's attractive to her. That Because it's her she, empire. She, yeah, but in the, that the moment, part... in that animated short, in that moment, she had no empire. It was crumbling around her in the water. She was watching it fall. And what it... Nazoth offered her was the opportunity to build another one, maybe even bigger and better than the first one. Well, plus two, if you look at when she sees it, her first word is magnificent. Yeah. And she thinks that's real great. Remember well, when she saw Sargeras for the first time? Mm-hmm. And it was very similar. Ashara has been looking for something that transcends the world that she was, she was born into her entire existence. She's always known she was better than everything else. And, and, that's, and I think right there, that's the other thing that I got from it is – I think she think or believes, and she very well might have the measure of Nazoth. Like in that moment, she may may be thinking to herself, "I will just take everything from him, and it will be my empire in the end." Like she saw what the Black Empire was, she saw what it you know could be, and then apply her image to it instead of an old god. Imagine all of those elves that are out there in the world converted into her likeness. Uh, whatever she is now, because we don't know what level of power she has at this moment or what she's learned in that bargain. We know that she's more powerful than she's ever been before. And And she was extraordinarily powerful. She was extraordinarily powerful to begin with, which we've already stated. Like I wouldn't put it past her that this is all part of a plan for her to remove the old gods from the equation and her to reign. She thought, she thought the only being in creation who was even remotely suitable for her was a titan. And that was acceptable. And, it wasn't even and, her match. Yeah. It was acceptable. And and think about it this way. Titans can easily kill individual old gods. Mm-hmm. Amanthul just reached down with his hand and pulled out Yisraj like a, like a sliver of rot and popped it with his fingers. He, they weren't worried about killing the old gods because... They, you know, it wasn't an equal fight. They were worried they w- about killing the world soul. Yeah. If if they were coming upon an old god. So an old god is not as powerful as Sargeras. He could kill one fairly easily. Mm-hmm. And she 
thought he was maybe okay enough to be her boyfriend. And Manoroth looked at Ashara and said, here is someone who is maybe only slightly less powerful than perhaps Argamond or maybe even Sargeras himself. She is a piece of work. So now now give her the access to, you know, void power. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, now give her a shot of old god go-go juice and see what happens to her then. And the thing is, is like before we thought she'd made a deal with them. That's what we thought. Well, now we see she didn't make a deal with them. She dictated terms to them, and they accepted it yep. because they Dizoth, needed her. Yeah, yeah, yeah they didn't have a choice. Well, not only that, but that's that's a really important part to note too. Is there was like when she said that, when she made that 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 line in the sand, she drew it. He didn't counter argue. He didn't. There was this moment of silence. Followed by this feral roar of, yeah, okay, you get your way. Because he knew he knew he couldn't win against her. Yeah, he needed what she could do for him, and he had no there was no argument he could make to her that would work. He couldn't yep. like, He couldn't she, let her die because he needed what she offered that much. And as Shara saw it, probably the biggest mistake that Nazoth made in that bargain was the moment where he said, I've been imprisoned down here for a thousand years and I've been watching you for a thousand years and yep. I've tasted your essence and da 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 and he thinks that he's piling on the flattery with which would maybe work with anybody else but it doesn't Except work with Ashara. As Shara heard, heard, oh. heard that and went I have a bargaining chip, thanks. Yeah, it, she doesn't what would be flattery for anyone else isn't flattery for her because she, to her, it's manifestly true. It's just, yeah, I know. Yeah. Thanks. I know I'm the most amazing thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not even thanks. Just, I know. But the the thing is, is like, she came to that conclusion and turned this all around on the old God while she was drowning. Yeah. It's <laughs> so really... yeah, if she doesn't, she needs a Xan- the Xanatos thing that needs to be her. Absolutely. I, I, I can't see her as like a one and done encounter. It would be a tremendous waste of that character. Well, plus, I mean, what's really interesting is now that we have all three Warbringers, we've now seen three women who basically are driving the the, uh, story to this expansion. And we've seen that each of them had a different thing happen that led them in a different direction. And it's interesting to me, like how in some ways Jaina and Ashara have stuff in common, like the whole daughter of the sea thing. And how in some ways Sylvanas and Ashara have things in common. The whole elf thing and dying, you know, watching your people die and then die yourself. And it's but really... the hook between the three is death. Yeah. And really, because though... Jaina, you look at Jaina, Jaina did not die, but she watched everyone else die around she's, her. She's shaped by death. She's right? shaped by death. She's shaped by death that she feels that she's caused, that she feels that she's responsible for, and it weighs on her like crazy. And we saw that in her Warbringers. In Sylvanas's Warbringers, we saw, yes, there was an intro and an outro that kind of flanked it, but we saw the moment of Sylvanas's demise, and that's a moment that has shaped who she is in Undeath since the moment it happened. And then with Ashara, we see her demise, or what should have been her demise, only she was snatched from it because she was real clever and yeah, she's I'm... real powerful. So death the... is still overshadowing like all of this stuff. It hinges inward, you know, it's the thread. Yeah. But it's the thing is with, with her, shorts, yeah. it's a thread with the questing. It's, it's the theme. There's something. Yeah. And I really feel like with this expansion, with the, the Ashara cinematic showing Ashara, basically just straight up her determination, all three of them, we see determination at play that raw will, to make things happen 
and how it opposes death and how it, you know, stagnation versus will. There's a lot. I mean, I really feel like we're going to see stuff go on here that has nothing to do with what we thought we were going to get, either in terms of the Horde versus Alliance thing. I'm so excited. The the Horde and Alliance, you notice that we haven't really talked about the Horde and Alliance thing. It's because it's so background to everything else that's going on right now. Well, I mean, not even because if you want to think about it, even the Horde versus Alliance thing hinges on what? Death. It's one side fighting with the other. It generates more death. Like that's well, doesn't Bond Sam to even say that that's something he's looking forward to? Yeah, it absolutely is. But there's one there's one bit in uh in Stormsong Valley that that felt off to me for this reason, and not because it's an evil act, although it is an evil act. But that's not the problem. There's a moment where you're going into the the the, the relatively large farming trade town of oh God, Brennadon. Yeah, Brennadon. Oh no, and, are you talking about the dude on the? Oh, okay. You're walking across the bridge, and suddenly there's horde airships everywhere, dropping bombs on the town. And you come out of the scene, and they're like impaling people to walls. And it's just I'm watching this going. Okay, so the horde war machine decided the right thing to do was to attack this town. Like I'm sorry, yeah, whatever. In terms of faction antagonism, it's a dumb target. Fort Dalen's right over there. If you're gonna if, if you're gonna fly your ships all the way here, Boralis is right over there. It's not even like five minutes away. I can't believe. Brennendim. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, this is one of the missteps. It's a small misstep. I've loved this expansion so far, but that took me out of the zone. Like I'm sitting there going, "This is the dumbest thing. This this didn't need to be here. This zone's packed enough." Quite frankly, Stormsong Valley has too many quests. What took me out of the zone a little bit, but only like in good ways, was that I had Fenris, a.k.a. Brother Pike, escorting me through the yeah. hallway, and I'm like, I'm so glad I get to listen to your dulcet tones again, there's, sir. There's one, part where, <laughs> there's one part where Brother, like you're sitting there with Brother Pike and Darian from Dragon Age Inquisition as yeah. every evil cultist you run into. <laughs> I'm sorry, going like, you're sitting there going, so is anyone else from Dragon Not Age Darian, Inquisition? Are, sh- Dorian. Yeah. Brain, yeah. Is anyone else from Dragon Age going to show up? And then, of course, I realize Catherine Proudmore is in Dira Pharma. I'm like, okay, so yes, the answer Vivian's to that here. question is yes. Um, yeah. There's a there's a lot. They got some really on. good voice actors for this expansion. They really this, did. Everybody's so good. The expansion's so packed full of stuff. Like, even if you're just doing the other sides, like if you go over and you're just doing the other factions, world questing at level one ten, like one twenty. There's a ton of stuff going on. Just wow! Like Voldoon is crazy. There's Doing a lot Voldoon on Alliance is great. I ran into the Trash Loa, and um, the Trash Loa. I I feel like a real deep kinship with the Trash Loa. <laughs> the little the little compy one. Yeah, Johnny. She's she, she's great. <laughs> I love her. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this expansion. I yeah. mean, I haven't got a chance to level my horde, and I haven't like. I'm kind of feel torn about it. Like sometimes I don't even feel like playing horde because I'm still pretty upset about the intro into the expansion. I'm hoping that soon I'll get over that and be able to. But there's just there's an underarching theme going on here that we have yet to even really touch. And I don't think it's the old gods. I think it's going it, to come down to the de- to death. It all yeah, falls I, into that whole death thing. Well, and I, I, I think you're right. In right my down moment to, of... um, do we want to spoil that one? Mm, yeah, well, I mean, I guess we can. We did give a spoiler warning after all, right? Yes. So right down to Talia, who is Talia Fordring, 
who basically is the daughter of the current Lich King. I mean, it all kind of plays in together. We're just saying. And another woman who is involved heavily in death in some way. Yeah. Yep. I, I Indirectly. On Twitter, people are like, you know, I kind of, I kind of ship both Jaina and and Talia, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think the Lich Kings would like that, and they're like, I don't get why the Lich King would care about Talia. I'm like, oh, you don't know. Oh, okay. you don't know yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just, just come back later. Just wait. Come back, yeah, come back later, and it, it'll all become clear. But, but there's yeah, like- I, my perspective shifted the minute I heard Bomb Samdi say that he had a boss. I was like, oh, 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 there's oh, something bigger. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. then I started going through all the same threads that you guys were talking about, about Helia, and, like, she made contact, like, the thing about Odin's eye and stuff like that, to go back to one of the original, like, one of the older questions that we got today, like, just thinking about that, we still don't know who he made the deal with. We still don't know what that entity is. And that and was it's, a darn powerful entity. It's something that Sylvanas must be linked to, because the Void doesn't like her. The Void mm-hmm. is kind of scared of her. The Void is disturbed by... The Void demanded that Alaria put Sylvanas down because she was something unnatural. So there's like... It, it's all tying together. Yeah. So anyway, we have like a million different tinfoil hat theories that we're kind of kicking around, guys. And we'll probably get to those over time. I know the next couple of weeks for me is going to be spent probably leveling through the horde zones and trying to get 120 over there so that um, I get like the full picture of the story. Um Regardless, we are running over. <laughs> when aren't we running over? <laughs> so we need to go ahead and wrap up the show here. But if you do have any emails for us, you can, again, send those to podcast at blizzardwatch.com and put Lorewatch in the subject line so that we know that it's intended for the show. We're, like I said, with the spoiler warning at the beginning of the show, we're talking spoilers. So if you have any questions about any of the lore stuff that's going on in the expansion, go ahead and send those our way we probably won't be talking about spoilers on the main blizzard watch podcast but we will talk about them here we're fine with that um as well you guys for you guys the listeners of blizzard watch audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you guys the opportunity to check out their service um one of the books that they've got available is before the storm and i know that we haven't really talked about it on this show this particular show but a lot of before the storm also involves these thematic elements of death and I think it also kind of plays into what we're seeing in Battle for Azeroth on a couple of different levels because yes there's the whole thing going on with Sylvanas and the Forsaken and the living survivors of what happened in Lord Ron and how these two people are interrelated but there's also that kind of overarching question of what happens after you die and it's one of those themes that plays really heavily in the book as well. Um, the book is available in audiobook format. It's read by the same guy who does the voice for Andwin in game. It's a really, really great book. You can get that as your free audiobook download if you want to. Otherwise, there's a bunch of Blizzard's other titles. I would recommend Arthas. That's another one that seems to be kind of playing a little heavily into everything that's going on here with the whole death theme thing. Um, And if you aren't interested in any of the Blizzard titles, Audible has thousands and thousands of other books that you can check out as well. You can download those over at blizzardwatch.com slash audible where you can sign up for that free 30-day trial and get your download. Um, Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch and your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. 
Final thoughts. I'm just going to pose this in kind of like a two bosses enter sort of way and see what you guys think about this. Ashara versus Nazoth. Who comes out on top? Joe. <laughs> Ashara. You think? Like, hands down. Like, she, she's too smart. She's too smart. She's too powerful. And I think that... Do you think she's after... smarter than an entity that, like, comes from before she was even created? Yes. And I think she's also probably more powerful than he expected. So I I think that if it came down to a fight between Azara and the old god, any of them, that she comes out smelling like roses and she figures out how to expunge them without them being able to come back. Like, that's that's the thing, right? Like, she's now tasted that power. She... To me, her her mind probably understands how to unravel that power more than any other being in creation right now, more than Sargeras ever could have hoped for. Because even with talking about Amunthul ripping out Yasraj from, you know, Azeroth, you know what? He I'm wasn't gonna, dead. I'm it still stop came back. You, I'm going to stop you for a second there, and I'm going to back it up, and I'm going to give you another final thought to chew over here. Sure. Is our best weapon against the old gods as Shara? I honestly think so. Because, like I said, I think she's probably the only one that understands at this point how to finally, permanently remove them from this plane of existence. What do you think, Rossi? Well, I think Joe's wrong. Yushraj was permanently dead. That's just, that's stated, that's given. He is permanently dead. So that part, I don't think we need Ashara to do that kind of thing. I think... In terms of raw force, if it was a if Ashara got into an actual let's throw magic at each other fight with Nazoth, Nazoth would win. But she's not going to do that. She never does that. That's not her style. When she dealt with the Burning Legion, she never just got into brawls with them. You know, she backed Manoroth off with a glare, not a fight. She didn't have to use power to stop him. All she had to do was look at him. Mm-hmm. That's that's Ashara. Is she would she win in a fight with Nazoth? If it's a slap fight, no. He's got a lot of tentacles. Uh, but if it's you know, it, if it's a battlefield con- of her choosing, any confrontation she would have with Nazoth would be after everything she had set up with in preparation for Nazoth. She's like the evil Batman of Azeroth. So <laughs> if there's going to if there's going to be a fight, she will have prepared for it, and it will be along. The, the pathway she wants it to be along. In fact, I would not be surprised if at the end of this expansion, when we're standing over Nazoth's body, there's a bunch of clapping and Nishara's like, wow, you worked even better than I thought. Exactly. Yep. You know? Yep. That's the kind of thing I expect from Ashara. That's the kind of win I would expect her to pull out. And I would expect her to pull it out. If she's not still around by the end of this expansion, I will feel like it is a tremendous waste. Same here. Right. Anyway, that wraps us up for Lore Watch. Thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we will see you again in two weeks. 